Hey everyone, welcome to the Smart Economy Podcast, production of neonewstoday.com. I'm your host, Dylan Krabowski. This episode of the Smart Economy Podcast is part of the series focusing on decentralized finance, better known as DeFi. In episode four of the DeFi series, I chat with Odd Roland and Adrian Felberg, lead maintainers at Flamingo Finance. Flamingo is a DeFi platform in the NEO ecosystem that allows users to swap between NEP17 tokens, provide and stake liquidity for rewards, and participate in initial DEX offerings. In this conversation, Odd, Adrian, and I discussed the team's background in Web2 before becoming Flamingo's maintainers, the shifting mindsets people have in their relationships with finances, building in bear markets, cross-chain and other features on Flamingo's roadmap, the Flund staking token, how meme coins can activate an ecosystem, and much more. Just a reminder, nothing said on this podcast is a solicitation to buy or sell any tokens, that nothing should be taken as financial advice, and that the host or guests may hold tokens discussed in any given episode. With that said, I really enjoyed chatting with Odd and Adrian, and I hope you enjoy the conversation too. Today we are blessed to have a double interviewee audience today. We have Adrian and Odd from the Flamingo Finance Project on the Neo blockchain. How are you guys doing today? Doing fine. And you? I'm doing great. It's been a while since we all like last communicated on a podcast. You guys were on the Neo News Today podcast last year. And I believe that was when you were the MyMingo team. So maybe we can just kind of start off this conversation with what were you doing before you started working on Flamingo? And how did those projects you were working on prepare you to take over the DeFi platform? I think maybe all this best to answer this because um, usually he's so eager and like full of energy. So he finds new projects and new stuff to do all the time. And uh, I'm just always late to the party and come and clean up. So I think you can take it away. Uh, yeah, we've been working together for, I think it's 14 years now. So basically we're like this old married couple. We always like had our niches. So uh, instead of like working on the same stuff, but also being able to overlap. So we have worked in a lot of Web2 stuff, building software as a service companies, building the internal CRM systems for businesses and stuff like that. And that was really fun. We've been doing like crypto stuff all the time, but for like the wrong reasons. We've been building big mining hubs. That was fun, uh, having these huge <laughs> machines running. But we've also like been doing trading, building trading bots and everything that we... And, and we ended up like always doing bad deals because we're really bad traders. We, we buy high and sell low all the time. So the reason why we ended up here was because we said, let's do like a blockchain for the right reasons. Let's bring to the game what we can do, we can build. So uh, we started doing a lot of research on different trends, where to where to build, because if you want to build, you need to have a solid foundation to build on. And we then did not like think, where is it the most people today? We thought about like, in 10 years, when the bubble burst, who will survive? And 
for us, that's like the people that has the best technology and also the best economic vision for the future, like that you're able to survive some bear markets and, and also proven that you're willing to survive bear markets because it's so easy to say when like everything goes up and your NFT collection of some asparaguses or something like is worth a couple of million dollars that you will stay here forever. But then when they're worth like $10 or something and everyone leave in the community and go back to their daily jobs, it's like, yeah, a lot of blockchains from the top 100 back in 2017 has disappeared. What we like about NEO is that they're still here, they're still building. And when we saw NEO N3, that was like, this is the foundation for us to build upon. This is where we can build skyscrapers. So that's why we joined the, the Discord and, or I joined the Discord and started chatting with people. And, and I had a lot of fun hanging out in the marketing channel and the general channel. And people were nice. And yeah, and some guys said, like, you should check out Flamingo. And I went in there and I was like, nah, this is some corporate corporate stuff. <laughs> I don't understand anything. <laughs> so so I went out again. And then two weeks later, another guy was like, I'm making $1,000 a month <laughs> just by staking. And I was like, staking? What is this staking you talk about? So then we started reading about DeFi and staking and how this works and like the plans behind decentralized finance. And it was really brilliant. And we tested out Flamingo. We saw a couple of things that like started bugging us, at least me, <laughs> because yep. I like to have an overview of the day-to-day stuff all the time. So built a dashboard, the MyMingo dashboard to, to like fetch data and give like a live representation of the data. So that's how it started basically. And people liked the simple solutions, one button click instead of making it hard. And I think that's the way forward for blockchain is to start making things for people and not for nerds. And and that's blockchain in general because blockchain isn't sexy and blockchain isn't something my mom's going to understand. But if she can use her credit card to invest in a like, fund or something like that, that like grows in value or people can trade with her money and she can earn fees, that she can understand. And she does not need to understand blockchain. People don't understand how their phones work. They don't understand like how they call someone, but they still use them because it's user-friendly. I think as decentralized finance grows, uh, so does in parallel private finance. So people are seeking more and more to own stocks, to own funds, to manage their private economy and invest, even though it might be crypto, it might not be crypto. Uh, At least in Norway, that's the trend. People like to actually trade now stocks and uh, everyone's a pro i think the mindset is kind of shifting from just having your money in the bank with a passive interest or something negative interest yeah right now so maybe that's why it's shifting but at some point i think decentralized finance and private finance will cross over because more and more people get knowledge about crypto and teams like ours on flamingo try to lower the barrier of entry to crypto. I know we usually say that we do try to achieve that. It takes time, you know, making that jump between your fiat credit card and having crypto in a wallet, it's it's still hard for us to do. But I think that is the trend now that people want to take charge of their own finances. Are you noticing that a lot more people are choosing to park their money into investments, be they 
equities or speculative cryptocurrencies because of these concerns over inflation? Or are you noticing this is a trend that started largely during the pandemic? I know Robinhood became very popular here in the States and probably internationally, especially with people getting stimulus money and then not being able to spend it anywhere. So yeah. they just YOLO'd it on GME and AMC and other stocks. <laughs> or is this like a trend that was slowly starting to begin even before the pandemic and these inflation fears? Yeah. I think there's multiple factors. These things happening like Robin Hood and there's the inflation in a lot of countries, the stimulus checks, people like notice, uh, how, okay, how much dollars were printed? Is that like 100% more or what? So people started like realizing, is this good for the economy or not? Should I, should I invest in something else? Should I only hold dollars? Is that really safe? I think like with also for COVID-19, people were afraid of the future in general. Should I maybe buy gold? Should I buy something else? Where should I invest my money for, for it to be safe? And now with the war in Europe as well, there's a certain uncertainty in the air. So people okay, don't know can, what to do. Can yeah. I add two things to that? Yeah, I think yeah. like we as a species, like in, we evolve all the time. We get more knowledge and we're starting now to go from being factory workers to become more like people have their uh, home offices. They have more charge of their own life. You don't like go to work at eight in the morning and come home at four. So with more knowledge, we, we also want to take more responsibility of our own economy. So I think that's also a trend that's been going on for a long time and are going on in some countries and some countries are lagging behind. I think it's a lot about education that we're starting to get ready for this. We're starting to get ready for people being able to take care of their own finances. And also the entry level now is so low, at least for stocks and stuff like that with the Robinhood app, because before that you needed to know a lot of stuff to do it. But Robinhood made it easy. And that's basically the same for DeFi. It needs to be made easy. It needs to be made simple. So in a couple of years, it's just as easy as Robin Hood. And then people have enough knowledge to start to like take advantage of that as well. Yeah, that's a good point. And uh, I couldn't help but see a little bit of irony when Adrian was mentioning that people are leaving the factories and starting to work from home. And then, you know, I just think of my transition from working in the government to working in the crypto space. And you can go from working an eight to four in a factory to working 24 seven at home <laughs> yeah. in the crypto and blockchain space. Uh, sometimes it feels. So this is a fascinating kind of 10,000 foot discussion, standing up high, looking down, really happy to be able to break into this sort of mindset for the Smart Economy podcast. But I do want to come back down to earth a little bit because you guys... We're just at the Blockdown 2022 conference, which is probably the first time since before coronavirus that I saw more than one Neo ecosystem project in the same place at the same time. So can you just share a little bit about what the vibe was like at the conference you were at? What was it like to meet people who've been in the NEO ecosystem for years, as well as new market participants with DogeRift. And what was just the experience at the conference like? What was the mood like? What were the attendees like? What were the developers like? Just want to kind of hear 
a brain dump of your experience. Yeah, I was uh, holding the port while Odd was there, actually. So um, <laughs> he needs to share that experience. So somebody needs to run the office while he has fun by the pool in Croatia. But uh, yeah, take it away. Yeah. <laughs> it was like fun in the basement, basically, because the booths were down in the basement. So, so while people were out in the sun, we were just standing down in this basement with like all these uh, LED lights. And uh, yeah, it was really cool. But I need to say like... Uh, they had the event at a bad time in the market. So I guess like they expected 3,000 people to join. But if I like stretch it a bit, I would say 500 over the three days, like in total. So some people were there just one day, some people came the next day, yeah. So there was few people. It was really nice to meet other people from the Neo ecosystem. And it was really nice to meet those people that was there because I think, what we now had was more core crypto people. Uh, you know, the guys that have been here since 2017. It's not like the mood doesn't change since, since Bitcoin price goes down. They are like used to this. They have a plan that like crypto isn't for just now. It's also for the future. So I had a lot of interesting conversations with a lot of people. Of course, the, the topics were more about this insane investments to Web3 projects. I have this theory. It's just my theory about a couple of months ago, there were $4,000 billion or something in crypto. Now it's $1,000 billion. And the money isn't gone. It's not like we burned it. It's just that smart investors has pulled it out from the market to see who survives and who dies. And the survivors will get that money. So if you have a long-term plan, if you have good technology, and you, you, you are here to stay for like a decade at least, like that's your war chest and that's your game then the investors will look at you because you're one of the projects that's standing up after all the other projects around you are dead. And I think that it needs to happen because we're, we're at this phase where you can go to an investment company and say, I will build something on Web3 and they give you $10 million. You don't have to explain more than that because they think that they will get their money back or $15 million for it. And that's how like <laughs> all the bubbles that we've seen in the past have been people just throwing money because they think that they can get more money back and it doesn't need to have any real value. The people that were there were, were looking for real value. I feel like every conference I ever go to is during a, a dip or a downturn. I'm usually running into the builders rather than the speculators. Yeah. So while on the surface, it might not sound super exemplary or amazing that only 500 people showed up. But I think that the probably the quality of conversations you were having were probably much higher because the concentration of individuals that were there were the long-term folks that you were speaking of. Yeah, yeah, 100%. Now, something that just happened in the broader blockchain ecosystem is one of like these newer, sexier projects, Luna and Terra, collapsed. And this was something that Two weeks ago, maybe other than a lot of people who were just like throwing their arms in the air and screaming Ponzi, those people maybe saw that this was an issue. But the broader blockchain ecosystem, you know, there was a lot of people that were participating in this. So I'm wondering how does like such an epic collapse of such a large project have an impact on the work that you guys are doing with Flamingo? Did you? feel it? Did it shake your ground a little bit when we saw this 
these tens of billions of dollars just get wiped off because this algo stablecoin protocol collapsed. What was that like from your perspective as builders? Because even though you're not stablecoin project, you know, stablecoins are a huge part of DeFi. So this had to have an impact. I just want to hear a little bit about what it was like from your experience. From my experience, it kind of sounds strange, baby, but I, I wasn't that nervous because the only conversations I was basically having with all this, how do we plan if we are going in a real bear market where all prices is slashed to maybe one-tenth because of this event? How does the outcast look for developing in the next 12 months or 24 months? So it was shifting the focus, or it wasn't shifting the focus, it's always on building, but we didn't shift focus to like trading or what should we do, or uh, we just uh, actually released the algorithmic stable coin on Flamingo. Oh my God, what's going to happen? It was the same thing. Like, <laughs> yeah. So <laughs> we were like, yeah, it's the same, same, but different. We need to let the dust settle and see what's, what really happened. We were most focused on how does it look like building in a bear market if it's crashing right now. We're always prepared yeah. for it to crash. And also, what do we learn from it? It's yeah. like, because this is a huge lesson to learn from. And uh, of course, you need to like figure out how this happened from what I know uh, or not know or what I read on the internet, basically. <laughs> I would conclude this to be uh, active greed that like took Luna down. It tends to always be like that, at least with projects that are uh, have a solid foundation. Greed is not good. So it's more like you need to find the values why are you here? And for me and Adrian, we also talked about that. Like for us, it's it's building. We're here to like make innovations. That's basically, at least from my perspective, it's that's what I get my like from. I get a huge kick of making new stuff that nobody thought of or like sit with Adrian for 16 hours and just brainstorm and come up with a thousand bad ideas and then yeah. find this one good that like, yeah, this is plausible. Let's test it out. It's also then the ideas are, it's so fun to try to figure out how to implement them. And it's also a little bit fun to implement them. And then when you finally release, there's like no joy left. There's never any champagne for any release or something because then it's just, just hard work. But I think we're so lucky that we are able to features that are used by thousands of users and we get all that feedback and we are actually, we're lucky to be able to be tired, working tirelessly because people spam when, when, when. And uh, I think it's a good thing. The incident with Luna Terra, it took us a little bit because of course we, we have assets, our users have a lot of uh, crypto assets. And uh, we're also concerned for our user and community members invested who invested heavily in Luna and USD. So it was more like we were worrying for them, but we weren't worrying for us. Yeah. It's not that I expected less, but it's still refreshing to hear like the first thing we thought of is how do we keep building for the next two years with a tenth of our funds? And at Neo News Today, we had to go through this exercise ourselves during the last bear market of 2018 and 2019. So almost just that answer to that question almost makes it is is like a litmus test for who's going to be here in the next year or two, where if that's one of the first things you're thinking... Probably, yes. Then yeah. it's, it's almost like 
you know, if that's your first principle, then every step afterwards is already built on a good foundation. So again, I'm not trying to say like I expected to hear less, but those are always like comforting kind of things to hear, especially for a platform that already exists. And you guys just talked a little bit about coming up with an idea and loving it. And then by the time you ship, it's not the idea that you first imagined. It's not all butterflies and fairies. And it took a, a lot of grinding to get there. And you probably had an underwhelming response when you finally delivered, which is just par for the course because everybody wants the flashiest, splashiest things. And people don't realize a lot of the work that goes under the hood. So something that I'm kind of interested in learning a little bit about what you guys are thinking of these days is you've done a lot of great things with the platform, but I'm wondering about cross-chain interoperability. Something that when Flamingo launched in 2020, there was talk about this, but you guys recently integrated support for PancakeSwap, FCake. So what's your perspective on cross-chain connectivity with other networks? We want to do more. It's a plan in progress here. It's yes. uh, so I understand like from the user's perspective that you like want these big things that hype price and stuff. But since day one, we've been for us it's been Flamingo is not gonna be a hype project. It's gonna be a solid project built over time on a solid foundation. And a plan takes time. So I understand that like people are wise and they say now when this is coming, why isn't that? And it's like, yes. But as I said like earlier today, that we have this 10 to 15 year plan for what we're doing here. Not like to just hype it up and dump it down because there's no real value in that. So we want Flamingo basically to compete with Binance when it comes to trading peers and everything. But Today, Flamingo is the worst platform to trade on because you have to be awake and you have to push that button when the price is great. And that's a really bad thing for a trader. <laughs> so that's why we're now working really hard. Actually, today, I've uh, been working hard on on-chain order book that doesn't require bots. Yep. So the, the way they solve it on other DeFi platform, at least those we've seen, is that you pay to a bot network that I want to buy Neo at $10. And then when the AMM hits $10, the, the bot goes and fills that order for you. The, the issue with that is the people that tell, they will still have the same price impact in the AMM. So you need a huge like pool to not have a big price impact. And then the, the order book is basically just bots buying and selling to the AMM. But with the order book coming now on Flamingo, you can add limit orders and you can buy directly and you don't need bots. So it will be just as doing it on Binance, but then you have the automated market maker to stand in the middle to fix the spread automatically. So it will be basically like a centralized exchange, but just better. Are you going to be pulling off of like Binance APIs or are you just copying the work that they're doing or what does that look like? It's kind of... New, I guess we haven't found any other like big T5 platform doing this. There's maybe some smaller that we haven't seen, but the thing is the automated market maker is really good for making the market. Basically, if you ever tried to create a market maker bot for a centralized exchange, you know, it's hard because uh, you need to have some sort of metric of uh, how you balance between the two assets in a pair. And the AMM 
using math formula solves that perfectly well. The, the problem with having order books on chain is that there is usually this block time or confirmations that you have to deal with. So it takes a lot of time. And it's also, if you don't have a lot of orders in, the order book has a huge spread and it's hard to trade. But you could have a mix between the AMM and the order book so that AMM fills in the gap between each order. So actually an order book with just one ask and one bid is perfectly fine for people who wants to place just one limit order and you could still trade on it. It will work fine because you can rely on the automated market maker in like behind all the orders. That's the true innovation here. And I think that will be really, really nice for people to be able to trade. So back to your original question about cross-chain. I think it's A before B and not B before A. Because if we add more cross-chain functionality now and more trading pairs, we might just dilute the minting rewards and the fees for liquidity providers. And one of the maybe best services we provide right now is for the stakers, let's be honest. It's not fun to trade at Flamingo compared to Binance or even Demex that I like what what they're doing. So I think we need to now just solve this basic stuff first, like with the order book and with a good advanced trade that I've been trying to ship for weeks, but I'm overloaded with work. I think that's that's the A. And then we come to the B, that's adding more cross-chain functionality and more pairs. We want to add Dog, we want Doge, we want to add Shiba, we want to add all these popular tokens BNB, like BNB, everything, yeah. Yes, uh, BUSD. We want more of the stable coins there, just not Ether um, and Leerbird um, USD. I think that's the future because we, if we want to compete with other trading platforms, we need you need to be able to trade what you want to trade, like popular assets and new listings, of course. And then we will be, I think, always a NEO first platform. So NEO projects will have a place to launch on our platform. Yeah, they have a good place now with reverse pools. So that has yeah, been yeah. fun and, and innovation as at least. So yeah. Yeah, I just want to pull on that. So I've never seen a reverse pool elsewhere. But I have to imagine that they exist. So what are they called on other DEXs or other non-custodial exchanges? And what do you view the role of a reverse liquidity pool as a tool or a part of the toolkit for helping a project become active in the ecosystem that they're building in? We don't know about any other places. So we haven't like find inspiration. I guess maybe someone else has it. But for us, it was um, we needed to solve a problem. We needed to be able to list a token on Flamingo without giving ourselves a benefit of listing it. So if you list the regular token on Flamingo and give it FLM, you take basically from the minting rewards and give it to that project. So when a token has minting rewards, you give them free money for like people adding liquidity and buying their tokens and stuff like that. So in the future, that will be reversed for big tokens that we need to bring in, that we want to bring in, like BNB, Dodge, and stuff like that, that brings in trading volume. So the reverse pool is, in my opinion, the new way of doing IDOs. First, you had the ICOs, and then you have the IDOs. And now on Flamingo, we have the reverse pools. It's the perfect way for a project to give rewards for stakers that believe in their token. 
it's a perfect way to distribute tokens to people and also get a price. It's really important for a project to get a price, else it's really hard to say what the market feels that it's worth. And it's also really hard for me to say to a project, if let's say a project comes and say, yeah, but our token is worth a dollar. No, or yeah, or maybe. <laughs> so, so like that's someone putting a price on their own baby. But with the reverse pool, you let the market decide the price from day one. And you also let the stakers that build the pool be able to collect rewards for believing in your to- in the project's token. Yep. So it just brings good to Flamingo, basically. I think the conversation was something like, okay, we have this set of problems and uh, we took a look at PancakeSwapia, but you can like list the pair there, but you can list any pair. Should we... Should we allow people to just list anything? Uh, might be reputation disc- destructive if something, some bad actor just deploy a pair and uh, or a trading pair. So, okay, maybe we should vet the projects at least. And then, but, but like, okay, they can just add it. Why will people add liquidity there? Can you set minting rewards on Pancake? No, you can't. Why can't you? And there was like reverse pools were born. Like basically, there was a set of problems, and how do we solve them? And uh, usually, all this really creative on these parts. And it's like, but you can just no, you can't because nobody else has done it like that. I just never do accept, it. I ne- yeah. never accept when he says that. For me, it's like if it's logical in my brain, no, it's not an answer. Then you feel like you need to show me that it's not working, and yeah. I will be on your back until you like show that it's not working. Because I say, no, it's possible. It's possible. I do have a question. It's always been difficult to address like token sales with NEO because uh, NEO was founded in China. So did the fact that the underlying technology, NEO itself, that this project does not actively promote ICOs and doesn't actively promote capital events, was that also something that took uh, front place or had any weight in the creation of, of reverse liquidity pools? Because now you're not doing ICOs, you're doing this token distribution. Basically, no. When you say it like that, I would like to say yes. <laughs> but to be honest, no, we didn't think about that. We, we had a problem to solve and needed to find a good way to solve it. And I think the way we found now is the new way of making projects launch because for me, IDO and ICOs has always been really wrong because then you have someone setting a price on something and it's hard to value. Why not let the market just decide what the price should be? It can be like inflated. It can be wrong. It, but then again, it's the market. So then it's up to the market to decide it. Yeah, it was really cool to see Lyrebird reach the price that it did because in chatting with William, he thought, oh, I'll just set it at 10 cents and then the market decided. So it's really nice to kind of see the platform users be able to decide the price of something based off of how much they want it or don't want it. I know that this might be an unfair question to ask to put you guys on the spot, but are there any other reverse liquidity pools in the works right now? Are you talking with other teams? We love to be transparent. So nothing is on the spot when people ask. That's, that's the best thing when people ask us about anything. It's not like, you can put us on any spot because it's uh, transparency as far as it gets. Perfect. Well, who's the next FRP then? <laughs> uh, I, right now, it's no one. Okay. 
we're having some projects that want to launch, but we have some demands that they need to meet first because you cannot just make an F17 token and say, I want to reverse. For us, it's also about Flamingo's reputation and we have an obligation to protect Flamingo's users. So people can maybe feel it's unfair or something, but we have the same demands for every project. They need to have good tokenomics. They need to have utility because we have gas that you can like send from one person to another. So we don't need another like send from a person to another token. That's not utility anymore. Some projects are working on like meeting the demands. As soon as we have something, we will announce it. There might be room for, for other NEO projects to do reverse pools and just have a send token for person A to person B, but it won't be on our platform. And like the code for the reverse pools or everything Flamingo contract related is open source. So feel free to copy and paste and do everything you want. But like on Flamingo, we, we try to keep a reputation of like vetting the project and funds should be safe and that should be the, the highest priority and security should be highest priority. That's why there there might be a lot of projects and a lot of stuff going on on Neo right now, especially with the uh, latest hackathon. But we won't be just spewing out FRP pool. Maybe fortunately, maybe unfortunately. Who knows? Depends on who you are and what your, mo- your motivation is. That begs the question, is there ever going to be a day when Flamingo has Uniswap-like functionality where users can just provide their own LPs? Or is that something that Flamingo thinks is interesting, but maybe other ecosystem participants can create that for their platforms? Yeah, I've talked already, about it. Yeah, Already two platforms are doing it. It's, it's a nice thing to do. The, the issue is that it has huge security problems. You can trade on PancakeSwap in a pool that someone created, and that's fine. And crypto, like people that know crypto and know this stuff, it, it isn't a problem. But we want to build Flamingo for grandmas. Basically, we want to make sure that everyone can use it. And then we need also to make sure that it's a safe place. Of course, there's risks involved in crypto. And that's why you have rewards. It's just simple as that. Risk reward. But we try to eliminate the biggest risk. So grandma don't like have all her savings in some point pool and and it's rug pulled because that's the issue if you just let anyone make a liquidity pool. Yeah, so there's like in PancakeSwap, you can create your pool and you can lock away the liquidity. That's sort of a safety, but still there might be some other project with this, just a similar name of the token and create something that looks like it and the liquidity is locked away, but who cares because it's a fake kind of token and you invest in it and yeah. There's a way to to um, jam around this, and I think also if you believe in Flamingo and the platform and the devs, these are the people also making decisions about who gets the spot on Flamingo. So if you trust in the platform itself, you should also maybe trust a little bit that they done the background on the projects that are launched there. So it's safer in that way also because you can invest in something, and the devs on the let's say the Dogriff team, we are confident that they will be able to deliver and be able to build what they say they will build. And if anyone can just release their own pool, we don't have that background check of, is this team legit? Are they just new players and they can't even write any smart contracts and um, these kind of... It's simple to copy-paste. 
Yes. So this is what you avoid when you're exclusive, like we are. When you guys took over Flamingo, which was what, in August now of last year? Around then? Yeah, September mm, or yeah, something. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, so you guys kind of, it was just you two, but you've grown your team and to a bunch of people now. I guess maybe like six or seven, maybe even eight people. Yep. How has the addition of new team members helped to battle test or make Flamingo a more hardened platform, I guess is the best way to put it. I guess what I'm really asking is, how has the growth of your team helped you guys make Flamingo a better platform? A lot. Without them, we couldn't do it. So so as simple as that. What I really like about our team is that they are picked from the community. It's not like we just brought in like our own people from outside. We people in the community that contributes or like have an experience outside of what we know. So we see that they have some some traits that can even make it better for us. So that's why we bring them aboard because they can make it like this. If you have this stats, this uh, cake diagram, they will make the cake full. So we can just make the middle and it will be so-so, but then they come and like add copy t- to text or they make the back end or databases and help out with the support tickets and stuff like that. So I'm really proud that it's just like this community team because that makes it like a democratic thing where it's not just me and Adrian bringing our own people on board. It's people that's picked from the community, people that's been there before us. Yeah. So, so, so that's the best thing because some of them have more knowledge about DeFi and other projects and stuff like that than we do. So we learn a lot from them. Yeah, and it's been a learning process in itself to expand the team. In other software adventures that we had, we usually just outsource development for a project-specific task, and then we're just continuing to do the day-to-day and service ourselves. But this time around, it's perpetual, and uh, we have had to let someone go that we had faith in, really didn't deliver what we thought they would. So it's been a learning process of also trying to find the best people. And I think we are a group of really, really eager, talented people now. Not to toot my own horn too much, but I think uh, like uh, me and Odd, we're we're the top of our field. And uh, a lot of these other guys, they are pretty damn good at what they're doing. I'm so, so impressed sometimes. So it's, it's really good that also me and Odd can focus on what we are good on. We are able to do it because... The other team members help out so much. And I think like for Adi has a hundred DMs every day. And um, for me, I am like quality control and so detail oriented. I wouldn't get anything done <laughs> if it were only me and Odd. So um, we can grow even more, I think. But right now we're at a good number of people. Yeah. And letting people go, especially on a team that you're building from scratch and that you kind of built with like your heart is always difficult. Really hard. I've had roles like that where the hard decision had to be made and either way, it doesn't feel good. And take this as a compliment, not as like a backhanded compliment, but you guys first landed in the NEO ecosystem in quarter one of 2021, I believe. You were probably working on NEO stuff a little bit beforehand, but my Mingo kind of made it splash with its single staking platform in March last year, I believe. Yeah. You can just like tell, you can hear 
in the way that you guys speak and what you're talking about. Like DeFi has become more and more uh, your native language. Like it's easier for you to think in, in that way. One of the things that I really am excited about with the platform is Flund. You created a way to distribute fees to individuals who single side stake. Now, something that I appreciate being a Flund token holder is that 20% of the FLM minted every day goes to the Flund holders. The question I have is, how did you decide on 20%? Because you have maybe like 12 or 10 other liquidity pools, and there was already a battle for how much FLM are these liquidity pools going to get. So what was the decision process like for creating Flund? And then what was the process like for deciding how much of minting rewards you were going to distribute there? And why did you go with a fifth of the daily minting rewards? The reason for creating the fund is that single stake, in my opinion, single stake is a bad thing. It's a really bad thing. It's just like inflationary pool where you give a lot of tokens to people that hold your token. What happens the day you stop giving them tokens? What happens to the tokens in that? Those tokens go to the market and the price go down. It's simple as that. So, so you need to give them tokens, keep them there. Uh, other platforms have 50% of their liquidity locked in a pool that just generates more of that token to them. So well, we had a lot of community members wanting a single stake pool. I was never a fan. Adrian was never a fan. We, we talked about it. Uh, the community was a big fan. So we were like, okay, how can we solve this and not build that inflationary pool? So we created the Flund that where you get a percentage of the trading fees. So basically, you invest in the platform and the performance of the platform. And yeah, you get some minting rewards. And that's to incentivize people to put FLM in there now. We also release the tokenomics for the future of Flamingo. So there you see that every six months, there will be a step down on everything. And it wasn't an issue taking the, the minting rewards because some of the pools had, let's call it, too much. It's really simple. I know this is hard to hear for people providing liquidity, but Flamingo is a marketplace. So you don't need a million apples if people want bananas. You need just as many apples as people want to buy, and you need as many bananas as people want to buy. So yeah, maybe that like gives you less rewards, but we need to provide the service that the customer wants, else you won't have customers. So what that's based on is how much trading there is, how much the volume is in the average days. Of course, you have days where Bitcoin goes down $10,000 and you should have like a billion dollars in every liquid devil, but yeah. you can't like account for that. So it's based on the averages of the platform now. And it's also based on that we will improve the trading experience. We will have more trading. With the order book, the fund will get the maker and taker fees because then you don't use the liquid devils. And also then, at least in my theory, we haven't like tested this out in real life, but then you can have much smaller liquidity pool. And that's how we also can bring on a lot of more tokens and give them a full minting because you don't need $30 million in liquidity because the price impact will be like taken with the order book. So today yeah. it's, it's hard to trade a million dollars in a pool that has $200,000 in it. <laughs> you know, you will get trade. Like yeah. more of the liquidity around the spread or closer to the price, then it's better to trade and you need less in the in the market maker. Per my calculations with the liquidity we have now, like jumping a couple of cents on the token uh, in price, you could actually have uh, 
thousands of uh, FLM between uh, one cent or two cent up on the FUSDT pair. So it d- doesn't really make sense trading wise, but with the order book, you can take away a lot of the liquidity because you don't really need it there. And also, the, um, I think the FLM BNEO pool, it wasn't meant to be as high as that forever. Needed a place to put it where it was basically serving the platform the most. Yeah. So. And it made sense to have it one place and then take it away the large chunk from that one place afterwards. So when we set up the meeting rewards for all the other pairs, we we're like, oh, should we just do it equal? Nah, because it's not going to be this high. So they get used to it being low. Gotcha. So it sounds like the order book you guys are creating, it's like a order book AMM hybrid? Yep. Okay. And you're pretty psyched about it. So how long have you been working on this? And what's like a ETA for when? When? When, yeah, when, when order book. <laughs> uh, it looks good. We've been working on the order book for, I would say, a half a year. Like in total, if you like take the planning and like figuring out how to do it and brainstorming and all that stuff. Making the actual code isn't that hard. Making the front end isn't that hard. The process is like finding the way to do it, the, the correct way to do it. Actually, the process with the order book was me starting to create trading bot where I could say, I want to buy gas at this price. And I said to Adrian, when this is done, I will put it up on GitHub and people can run it on their computer. And then we basically have order book on Flamingo. That was my solution to just solve the problem because I was like, this is a bad trading platform. And then Adrian was like, but we can do this with a smart contract. And then we started like with this huge thing that would cost a lot of gas or you needed bots and stuff like that. And we just iterated, 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 iterated until we were like, this is perfect. So let's say I want to buy gas at a certain price. Well, I have to lock up like FUSDT into a contract so that when that price is hit, then the order book can execute that contract. Yeah. Okay. So it's just like on Binance, you have to freeze your assets because else you could double spend it. Yeah. So you will have to send your, let's say, FUSDT into the order book. Then you make a limit order there. And then on front end, people can see that, ah, Dylan is selling or want to buy some gas. Nice. He wants to buy for $1,000. I want to sell for $1,000. So I would have like 0.001% price impact. But if you did it directly in the AMM, you would maybe have a percent price impact or something like that. Yeah. So in the ERC20 and the E20 tokens on Ethereum and Binance Smart Chain, there's actually a separate endpoint called allowance that will allow a contract or any address spent on behalf of your wallet address. We don't have that in the NEP17 standard, so we, you just you, you have to lock it up. It's maybe not unfortunate because it's the same thing that you do in a centralized exchange, basically. In my opinion, though, that isn't necessarily a bad thing, especially when you have when you're building for a grandma. Like, for example, look at the danger that allowances have for community members who buy Board Ape Yacht Club. They're not familiar with cryptocurrencies. Yeah. They go to a malicious website and they allow the malicious attacker to essentially move their NFTs. And this is how they get rugged because they didn't know any better. They didn't know that they were allowing a malicious actor. So pros and cons. And I bet there's a reason why it's not in the NEP17. So I've, I've, I haven't asked around. I haven't like, but uh, this is what I fear, security. Yeah, but, but, I, but I like it. Like if you want to sell $1,000 and you like invoke uh, and put it in the order book, why should it still be in your wallet? That would just be confusing. 
And then when like the price goes up or down or something and your order is about to execute, but you spent some of your money, so you didn't get the trade. So that would like give you a bad experience. We allow you to edit the price though. So then you can manage the order that way. So you don't have to take the funds in and out. And is that all all that information stored on chain? Yep. Okay. On chain. Yeah, we want to everything be on chain. On chain. Yeah. So as much as possible, because uh, it's decentralized finance, you know, not centralized. <laughs> yeah. We have a, a few minutes left, but there is an interesting realm that I wanted to pull on your ears. You guys recently released nudes. And I know that meme coins are divisive at best. There's only two types of Doge holders. There's one Doge equals one Doge, Doge to the moon forever and always. And then there's the people who are like, this is stupid. This is a scam. You're going to lose all your money. So what is your perspective of meme coins? And how do you think that they can benefit an ecosystem? And what are the pros of meme coins and not necessarily the cons? It's fun. It's easy. And if you want the entry to something, if it's hard, like first time I went in, into Flamingo, me as like nerd I am, I just went out. It was too hard for me to enter because it would require me to like take an hour of my day to find out how this works. But I have a lot of friends that never like download Neoline wallet. They never like bought, bought Flamingo or Neo or something because they were like on an exchange or something. But then when I asked them if they wanted some nudes, yeah, it was really simple. And now they're like staking on Flamingo. They're learning about DeFi. So you're taking it like one step at a time. It's a really, really good way to get people to enter. And also, I think like Dodge has the thing that they were first. So that's like their thing. And then for everyone else, it's just based on utility, I guess. And for nudes, it's going to be a lot of good utility. It's a plan there. It started as a joke. It started as like just me wanting to send jobsters and Adrian some nudes. <laughs> and I don't like it to do it the old-fashioned way. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> it is um, odd being impatient again, I guess. <laughs> All yeah. of a sudden, a new project. But, uh, I think we got um, from, from a community member, he had like, a really cool perspective on, uh, on the meme tokens that I haven't really thought about before. It's more like the pennies you spent that you sent to each other that you actually buy ice cream with because also like with nudes when you have so many of them there's like hard to get this relationship of how much you really have and then you're like willing to spend them more i guess and i have a feeling in the nudes community and in the doge community with these meme coins you're not so reluctant to send them to friends to be like share them and bring other people on. I feel like with your Neo, you're holding holding <laughs> yeah. them like go- Gollum, like precious. <laughs> I want them all by myself. So I think the meme tokens have something. They are closer to cash actually. So it's a big win for them. I'm not sure if this un- this is hundred percent true, but it's like a gut feeling I have after this community member opened my eyes to it. Looking at it this way. Yeah, it's it's funny because the amount of nudes I've sent, I've probably spent more gas on the network <laughs> just sending them to people. So therefore, it's always been this interesting kind of perspective I've had that the utility in nudes or like the actual market price 
can be derived based off the amount of gas that's been spent on the amount of tokens that have been sent. Yeah. It's weird because there's no, and you guys have been giving the project utility, but at first there was no utility other than sending nudes to get nudes, but underlying market factors involved spending gas, which is being burnt on the network and is actually using the network and increasing activity on the Neo network. But since then, you guys have also expanded its functionality I thought it was really cool what you guys did with the OG nudes tokens. <laughs> and it was even cooler that basically at the time, it was like a $4,500 purchase to buy the NFT. But then you guys refunded the first token holders who bought within the first 48 hours. So there are these really unique and innovative ways that you guys are engaging the community and rewarding participants. Are you seeing that this is attracting new community members outside of the Neo bubble? Like, are you getting just people who like meme coins in general from Tron and Ethereum and Solana? We got so many new users to Nudes. Yeah. And Flamingo got so many new users because of Nudes. And basically, Nudes is the best way to do marketing for Neo. As we talked about earlier, the blockchain isn't sexy and DeFi isn't sexy. Try to go out on the street and sell DeFi to someone. Yeah, <laughs> all this <laughs> hard. <laughs> like even my girlfriend or fiance, she I should start saying fiance. Do you have a girlfriend <laughs> and fiance? No, I should start saying fiance because uh, we're getting married. That is an old habit. But she, even she doesn't understand like eighty percent of the conversation I have with old when I uh, I work from home and she like sometimes listening because I have my door open and uh, she comes in and try to repeat everything I say and she just laughs at me. These are just the gibberish words you're talking about. These aren't like clickable in the real world, but uh, but nudes are. So when I started talking about nudes, uh, she's like, hey, what's he up to up there? Sending nudes to people? <laughs> uh, so, so it's instantly recognizable and we're keeping it safe for work. I think that's important, but you need to like splash some attention on Neo. It's funny when I cover the nudes project, I always have to remind myself I'm in my mid thirties and my job is to write about sending nudes. Yeah. I get paid for that. <laughs> yeah, but it's it's always funny. It that's like the, the, the core utility to that token is the name. It's just like that because it's so fun. We had a meeting with like a lawyer, this 50-year-old guy, and we were talking, and I was like, after the meeting, I was thinking like, so uh, do you want me to send you some nudes? And he was like, uh, and I was like starting to laugh and he was starting to laugh. And I was like, yeah, yeah, they have value. And he was like, uh, and I was like, it's a cryptocurrency. And he's like, oh, yeah, yeah, send me some nudes, send me some nudes, dude. <laughs> so we're always having fun with it, but a lot of utility coming for that project as well. So I'm really, really psyched for it. It's actually bringing a new term to the crypto space. Uh, one thing is meme to earn, but the second one that's going to be the huge one is consume to earn. That will be a game changer. Yeah, awesome. I think it's nice now that we can separate the fun from the seriousness. Of course, it's users' funds on nudes as well, and they have a price and they have a value. But we can keep it fun in a in a whole other way that we can with Flamingo. But it's good that we have this kind of separation because the ideas they don't don't really stop, and we have so much fun talking about potential things we can do. And with Flamingo, we could never do. So it needs so we have that opportunity to also have some some fun. For nerds, it's it's where we go to have a break. <laughs> yeah. <laughs>
<laughs> yeah, and it sounds like you kind of need that outlet because Flamingo probably came more of like a quote unquote job than you yep. were hoping it would be or what kind of got you involved to begin with. So it's always nice to be able to have those outlets. So respectful of everyone's time, I'm going to ask one last question. This is the Smart Economy Podcast. So from your perspectives, what is the smart economy? You want to go first, Todd? Yeah, from my perspective, it's uh, when me and you can do business together, selling a house, buying a car, renting a car, converting assets, and, and we don't need a third party or a centralized party to gain fees from us. We can let people be the bank. We can let people be the risk takers and also let the people gain from that. So that's, for me, the smart economy. Yeah, and I agree with a lot of that. And I also think if we talk about smart cars, smart homes, uh, smart watches, you just take something and you add more on top of it or, or you look at it totally different. What can a watch be? What can a car be? What can like a home be in the future or now with all this tech? And uh, with economy, it's uh, been <laughs> sitting still, not doing a lot of innovation for, I would say, hundreds of years and then maybe thousands of years. So it's time that we, in the same way that we created smart cars and smart homes and smart watches, we, we create a smart economy and uh, we only scratch the surface, I think. Odd, Adrian, this was an awesome conversation. The time flew. Thank you so much for coming to join the Smart Economy podcast. It was great to hear about the lessons you've learned since you've started building Flamingo. It was awesome to talk about some of my favorite features on the platform and to kind of touch on your perspective of what meme coins can do for engaging awareness. And it was super fun to be able to catch up with you guys again. It's, I think this is the first time we'd, we'd spoken all year. So Yeah, it's our, it's our yeah. pleasure. Thank you so much for hosting and inviting. Yeah, I can't wait to uh, have you guys come back on again. Next week. Thank though. you. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> maybe, maybe a little bit more than next week, but definitely sometime in the future. So yeah, thanks yeah. so much for coming on, guys, and uh, cheers. Well, what did you think of that conversation? It was really great to be able to catch up with the Flamingo team and to learn more about the trading and staking features they have on the roadmap for the DeFi platform. The on-chain order book sounds like it started as a passion project, but will soon offer unique functionality for platform users. And it was exciting to hear that the team seeks to add new tokens to Flamingo, but it was also refreshing to hear that they confirmed their dedication to being a Neo-focused platform. With that, I want to thank you so much for taking the time to listen to the Smart Economy podcast. If you liked what you heard and want to support the show, please keep Neo News Today in mind when voting for your Neo Council representative as part of Neo's governance process. We appreciate you and look forward to catching you next time.